Hi, this is Mr. Saad of MyPartnerIsKinky.com, and you're listening to The MassCast. The MassCast is free and supported by listeners like you. If you like what you hear, and we're sure you will, please become a supporter of The MassCast by going to the website and clicking Donate. Hi, and thanks for downloading another episode of The MassCast. Now 100% listener-supported, and a couple people donated last month. That was really, really kind of you. It's, I really appreciate it. It's very nice. Also, thanks to everyone who keeps emailing and offering suggestions on how to improve the show, and uh, also people who have uh, suggestions for who to interview. Um, I mentioned a couple episodes ago that you can uh, call the Massacast Voicemail Hotline Action Call Center. You can find that number at uh, massacast.com. Uh, right underneath the about section it's 917-720-7304 and it just goes straight to voicemail um i said if you want to promote an event it doesn't have to be a new york city event it could be any any event worldwide you know of course there might be some events that i go you know i can't really condone this event because it involves grandma punching or you know something but i'm, I'm guessing 99.9 percent of the events that people want to promote you can go ahead and leave a voicemail and uh, someone has done that you'll be able to hear that event uh and that person at the very end of this episode, um, it's a familiar voice, and I think you'll enjoy it. But, um, yeah, so this is a way for you to promote your events totally free. I'm not going to charge anything for it. You just have to leave a voicemail, and, uh, you know, I might edit up the voicemail a little bit to make it a little bit shorter or or what have you. So, yeah, don't be afraid. Go ahead and leave a voicemail. Uh, also, I've mentioned uh, that quite often on this podcast, I'll be talking to someone, and I'll use a question that you have submitted via the FormSpring section of the Mastercast website. You can see a little section there that says, you know, ask me anything, FormSpring, ask any question for any of the guests. And you can just, you know, type in any question. It's totally anonymous. Um, but some people have been off offering some really great questions. However, every now and again, I'll get a question that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and th uh, today I got one such question. The, qu the question someone asked, it was a one-word question. Enema. That's all. That's the someone listening thought. Oh, I've got a I've got a perfect idea for a question. Enema. All right. I think most of the time that answer is true, or maybe, or maybe false. I'm not I'm not sure. But th thank you anyway. It was a good good try. Maybe you're warming up to asking an enema question. I don't know. Um, I'll just add my input that the answer is yes. The answer is yes to enema. Okay. Yes. Well, okay. Yes. Enema. Yes. This episode, talking to someone who's been on the podcast before, Tutivalis. Uh, you can go back in the archives and listen to uh, what Tutivalis was talking about the last time he was on. But uh, this time, uh, he's got a few interesting things to talk about, and I've got some questions to ask him as well. So here it is, uh, yet another conversation with Tutivalis. You know, I w we were talking about uh, events, uh, and while I still enjoy going to events, for me, the, the, the highlight is socializing with people and meeting new mm -hmm. people and stuff like that. Um, I don't usually, you know, if there are a lot of classes, it's pretty rare that I see something I haven't seen before or, yeah. a, or a take on something I haven't seen before. Um, do you find the same to be true for you or, you know, interestingly enough, I have not gone to many events. Um, I'm actually starting to, uh, well, okay, let me back up a little bit. Um, I live in Utah, and I'm reiterating that for your audience because right. you already know that. Right. Um, Utah actually gets quite a few presenters in. So we bring people to us, and 
we have a reputation as being a fairly hard playing state. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on at the parties here. So, um, and I travel a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't go to a lot of events because I'm on the road quite a bit. And, you know, this year I've decided that, okay, um, because of several changes in my life, <laughs> I, <laughs> I decided that, you know, now would be a good time to actually start going to some. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, pro- I'm going to thunder in the mountains, uh, this, this summer. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things I've talked to a lot of people who, who have kind of given me a preface of them and, and they kind of have the same sort of take on it that you do. It's, it's like, you know, the socializing is the main aspect. Mm-hmm. You probably won't see a lot of things you haven't seen before, but you know, you'll have fun just meeting new people, talking to people. Most of the play is done in the rooms. They do have dungeons available, but I mean, you'll just be, you know, going for a social event and having a blast. Yeah. You know, go to a couple of classes, see things, maybe learn learn a thing or two, but it's mostly just a social gathering. Um, and, and you just network and connect with people. And really, that's okay with me. But um, making a whole tour of events all year, I think that would be exhausting. Yeah, and I know, I know people who do it, right? I know people who, they, they go to seven or eight different events throughout the year. And I'm just amazed that they have the, they have the, the stamina to do it. Now, so you've never gone to the Thunder on the Mountains before? or No, no. It's, there's a whole contingency of Utah people that go. And, um, you know, my partner, she's been, and she says it's actually quite funny because, you know, you get the Utah contingent walking in the room and you hear this, this sort of muttering going on. Those are the Utah people. So, <laughs> they play. Re- they play really hard. It's sort of the whistle that plays in the background when, in the old westerns when the badass walks and walks. Through uh, the door. You know, I. You know, I'm. I'm assuming some of this is exaggerated. I can't imagine. You know, I know some of the people that are there, that are not in Utah, mm-hmm. and I know because <laughs> we've had them here, and I know some of them are are pretty hard players. Um, so I can't imagine it's all that. You know, eh, but then again, you know, I've been in around. Utah people most of the time and and you know yeah we do some pretty off the wall stuff but like let's hear some examples because I've heard this too I've heard people explain like uh people who move from San Francisco to New York they always say oh wow the New York is really there are a lot hard, more hard players in in New York than San Francisco and I've never like gotten a good example or explanation of what that means of okay um, good example. Um, let's see. Rope is a huge thing here, obviously, because rope is a huge thing everywhere. Uh, but when they do rope here, you know, you'll get like, a, for instance, a, a good scene that I've seen, huh, scene that I've seen is, uh, you know, put like, I don't know, 100 some odd needles in somebody and suspend them by the needles right. with, with thread. Okay, so you know, you're talking pretty hard then. <laughs> yeah, pretty hard stuff. Let's see. I do... You know, I do um, extreme uh, body punching impact play to the point where people are collapsing and almost puking, mm-hmm. um, but they're held up by chains and cuffs and whatnot, and to where you're almost having to hold them up and no safe words involved. 
Um, other people will do, you know, fisting scenes. Uh, you get a lot of knife play where you're carving intricate designs into people and blood going everywhere. And then you wrap them up in plastic and then beat the shit out of them. You know, a lot of insertion play, a ton of medical play. Um, you know, you, he, I've seen scenes where you get a tube and stuff it in someone's vagina and then pour bugs down the tube. And <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so um, we have that is probably considerably harder scenes. than New York even, you know, as far as what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, there are fun things like that, you know, that we we participate in. I've been waterboarded a couple times. I've done waterboarding a few times. It's been, it's fun. I have a question. You, so, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned punching until someone uh, collapses or throws up. I've never gotten anyone to throw up yet. I usually, I don't want to get thrown up on, so I... So I, when they start gagging really bad, I'll um, I'll change to something else. Like I'll, I'll flog them for a while, yeah. or switch to something else until they calm down. But um, collapsing or climbing me, um, my partner, I've had her off the ground a few times. I've actually had her over my head once or twice. So now here's so here's the question: Like when do you feel uh, when you're playing with you know no safe words and and you're doing a, a scene like that? When do you decide it's over? Because that's a you know that's a pretty high bar. Is it just whenever you feel satiated, whenever you feel tired, or whenever you just like, all right, it's become boring for me now. Next, or you know, at what point do you decide, or is it just a feeling? Is it not a decision? Is a feeling? It's more of a, a feeling, unless there's some obvious sign of of uh, distress. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if it's very obvious that they are at their limit, yeah. Um then, you know, it's time to call it because there are not, and this is going to sound arrogant and okay, but I'm a sadist and, and I can go quite far with people mm -hmm. and there are not very many people that can take as much as I can put into them. I can think of about two people that I've met in Utah that can, that can probably push me to my limits and that's it. Um, I've actually had this question before, and this, you know, you've set it up perfectly, and that is, when do you know when someone is reaching their limit? Ooh, okay. When do I know? Um, they will become very floaty. Uh, usually, if they really can't stay on their feet anymore, that's a really good sign. If they're up, uh, you know, if they're upright, mm -hmm. um, you look for some pretty obvious signs of going into shock. That's a that's a pretty good one. Mm -hmm. um, if they're becoming unresponsive, again, good sign to stop. Those are those are some physical signs. Um, there is a huge energy exchange that takes place, especially in very physical scenes that involve a lot of body punching. Or, you know, I am often barefoot, don't have a shirt on. You know, I, I will either have pants on or be in my underwear or something like that. When I'm doing this, I try to have as few clothes on as possible. Um, I rarely get nude because I need something on because they often fight back. Right. I don't like having having my my balls grabbed or anything like that while I'm doing this because that really distracts me. Um, but uh, you know, since there's an energy exchange, you sort of start feeling when their energy begins waning away because uh, they become very resistive. And there are physical signs to this as well, but they become very resistive. And then when you have, when you begin breaking them, 
they go to a place inside that they are retreating to. And that is where you want them to be. You know, you want them to be in that inner subspace. And when that begins breaking down, you know, you'll get something like a fight or flight response kicking in, or they'll just totally start surrendering. They'll have a total emotional break. They'll start sobbing, weeping, screaming, just begging to, for you to give up, you know, to stop. Uh, or they'll just stop resisting altogether. Again, is it just something you, you learn to recognize? Or you kind of get a vibe for the person? If you've played with them before, then you have a better idea? Or... Well, you get a vibe for it. If you, if you have a connection with them or you, you have played with them before, you begin to really develop a, a sort of a rapport, a play rapport, uh, you know, an energy rapport with them. And you begin to just recognize those. But there are also little tells. And I'm going to give you one of the ultimate secrets for doms, uh, masochists, I mean, uh, sadists uh, around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, at least things that I've noticed people do and that I do is when you're in a hospital and you're in an emergency room, nurses, doctors, techs, whatever, they have things that they do to check for responsiveness. One of the great ones is they'll like grab a nipple and twist it or pinch you in places that you will respond. Mm -hmm. And based on the level of responsiveness, they will, you know, they will gauge how far gone you are. Um, and I know a lot of people, and I do this myself, we do the same thing. You know, we will do little things that we know will create a response. Like one of mine is I will put a thumb um, right into a rib cage, right in between ribs, mm-hmm. and twist or push up. And in a lot of people, that will get a response. If that doesn't, there are other things that will do it. Like, um, you know, you stick a finger in someone's ass, they'll respond, or... You know, you, you, you pull cue uh, the top of someone's foot with a stick, they'll respond. Um, you know, there are just a number of ways to do a stick, a f- stick your finger down someone's mouth. They'll respond to it. Yeah. Just little things to do. Um, people will respond to it. When they stop responding to those, you know they are, they are out there somewhere. You know, I just imagine after you've said that, there's, there's probably some guy listening who's going to, Purposely, you know, go to an ER in hopes that a, a nurse is going to do some nipple play. Well, that's, yeah, it happens. I've never heard that. My mom's a nurse, and she, of course, my mom never has never said, she wouldn't say that, I suppose. She wouldn't come out and say that. But uh, that's, that's, I've never heard that before. Well, yeah, you get things like, um, you know, rubbing pins across the bottom of your foot. Right. And, you know, things like that. Just little quick things they do when they're assessing your, your you know, your, your condition. Um. You know, I mean, my mom was a nurse, and I've been married to a nurse, and I've <laughs> I've had relationships with nurses. Uh, I seem to gravitate towards nurses, actually, <laughs> oddly enough. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. There, I mean, there are just things that you do, but it's also something I learned from one of the first dominants that I that I began mentoring with. That he was a very, very, very hard player, and he's a pretty well known. Uh, educator in the scene, Scott Smith. Um, he actually <laughs> he actually had quite a few little tricks like that that he would use to just test responsiveness. And I kind of picked that up. But also, you know, one of the other things I learned was just 
reading energy. I mean, if I don't have a good energy connection with somebody when I'm playing with them, um, I have a harder time learning when to stop the scene. Yeah. You know, I will generally stop it earlier than I normally would. I'll, I'll err on the side of caution with that. If I'm getting a very good energy exchange and reading their energy well, um, then it is very much a feeling, just a sense of intuition as to when that person is done or if it needs to switch into something else. Um, okay, they've had enough impact with my fists they need a different sensation. Let's try scratching or let's try slapping or flogging or let's get out a knife and let's do some terror play right. or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's, that's runs totally on an intuition basis. You know, something else to, to uh, that, that I was reminded of, because when we were first talking about uh, doing another interview, you mentioned you had some specific ideas on certain t topics that you wanted to share. And uh, <laughs> while I was at uh, Momentum, I went to a uh, sort of a, a panel discussion um, about non-monogamy. Uh, it was, I believe it was called Defining Non-Monogamy. And... Um, I've been very curious uh, just about, uh, not so much for myself personally, I'm very, you know, I'm sort of wired to be monogamous. Um, but I was curious about it and I had some friends who were on the panel, so I went. And I was really amazed at, at uh, you know, the different people who have different views on, on polyamory and uh, non-monogamy and different levels and different, different things. And I was just curious, that, I, I know you've got some views on, on the subject. First, let me put a disclaimer that none of my views may reflect the views of Massacast or Unspeakable Act. <laughs> <Right. laughs> These are strictly the views of Tutivalis and Tutivalis alone. Um, all right. Well, this is where, okay, this is where the disclaimer comes in. Even before I was out and kinky, I mean, uh, 15, almost 20 years ago, I've known people who were in poly relationships. Mm -hmm. And, I, and these were good friends of mine, and I have studied the living hell out of this because, you know, having aspects of open relationships for all of my adult life, um, you know, I've always wondered, how the fuck do these people pull it off? Yeah. And so I have talked, and, and being a writer uh, and an educator, I have studied this and this is not a conclusion I have jumped to just because I've had one bad experience with polyamory. Um, you know, looking at it when I was deep in introspection on this, I realized I probably had several polyamorous relationships. I just didn't call them polyamorous, mm -hmm. you know, just very close relationships with people I was intimate with. And I would say, yeah, I was in love with them. You know, I, I, and, and I was in love with, with the person that I was married to at the time also. I mean, and that qualifies as polyamory. It's simply yeah. the, the definition I worked with was a capacity to love more than one person at one given time. You know, and, and that would be in, in a physical and intimate sense. Right. And so I just kind of looked at it and I thought, okay, so I have had several polyamorous relationships. Okay. They didn't last. And then I thought, who do I know of that has pulled off a polyamorous relationship in that definition that has made it last? And I could only think of one set of people. Just and one. There are, 
just one in over in, in about 20 years that I know of. And it's a triad and they are the only ones that are successful. And I know, I know for a fact that they work their asses off at it. And then I see over that 20 years, I have seen, let's see, maybe about a dozen who have lasted maybe over a year Mm -hmm. and then collapse. And none of those ended well at all. Those ended horribly. Um, I've seen a lot of people try it and this is where I'm going to probably get a lot of flack, but you know, all I've seen is I've seen people who are either a trying to escape a shitty primary relationship and just not, just not put a bullet in it yet because they don't want to admit it's down and it needs to be done. They're just using it as an excuse to try and keep something alive mm-hmm. Either because they're financially entwined and just can't get out of their relationship because they've made some bad decisions, or they have kids and they just don't want to, you know, tear their family apart. Yeah. Which they don't realize that you're not doing that. But anyway, that's a whole other argument. Yeah. Or they just really should be open and be swingers. And I believe that term, I heard, I think I heard Cunning Minx talk about it. That's just polyfuckery. Right, and I have a very good friend, and you should probably interview him. Um, Lucius Scribbins, L. Scribbins. He runs the Bigger Love blog. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a devout polyamorist, and even he has come to the to the conclusion. I mean, he's been a stalwart. I've known him for seven years, and he's a stalwart uh, defender of polyamory. He even he has come out and said, you know, I think polyamory, especially since the show Bigger Love has come out, uh, I think. A lot of people have a total misconception of polyamory, and they just want the—they just want an excuse to fuck around. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think that's really it. I see a lot of young people trying it, and good for them. You know, honestly, I think when you're young, you really should be trying out everything you can. Uh, but I don't see here in Utah, especially, I don't see very many older couples even wanting to play around with it. I see a lot of swingers. But not poly swingers. They just have open relationships. They don't want anyone interfering with their relationship. It seems to be now the younger people that want to do it. And I see a lot of them crash and burn and divorce within about a year. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. People come to me and ask for relationship advice. For some, I don't even know why. And I simply tell them, you know, I can't give you relationship advice. I can give you great advice on how to end a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't ask me for relationship advice because honestly, I'm 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 bad at relationship. I'm horrible. Yeah. I'm terrible. Which is why why Javarti and I decided, you know, okay, we're making this commitment, and um, you know, I am I for the first time I'm claiming. You know, I've been monogamous in relationships before for for long periods of time. I mean, uh, years, mm-hmm. which for me is an accomplishment. And, but I've never proclaimed myself monogamous. I'm not a monogamous person, but I'm by choice in a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know what? I'm 40. It's time for me to really start thinking about where I want to be when I'm 50. Yeah. And, you know, I don't do kink to fuck people. I do kink because I like kink. And I'm a sadist. I'm not a master. I'm not a dominant. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's not about collaring someone. It's not about keeping someone. It's not about having someone in service to me. It's about hurting people. Yeah. And I want to hurt people, sure, but I don't want to harm anyone. So I'm done harming people in relationships as well. So I've harmed a lot of people in my relationships. I want to stop that. I want to have a relationship that works. And this is a person who is on that same common ground with me. And this is the choice that I've made. And and my observations on polyamory are just my observations. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who have glorious polyamorous relationships. And I'm sure they work and they're very happy with them. I just haven't seen many. I, I I should say that you know I have I have a number of friends who are who do consider themselves in multiple poly relationships. Um, none of them are like living with any of the, those poly people. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe you know, maybe there's something about cohabitating and you know, for all intents and purposes, being you know in in the married state, whether it's yeah. on paper or not. Um, but I, I also, I have, my first exposure to poly was when I was in New York, uh, when I first moved to New York, I should say. And I first moved here and I met someone, um, maybe about a year after I'd been here, and I, you know, I had started the blog and all that stuff, and I met this really cool person who was married, and, but, you know, so I was like, oh, well, she's really cool, so whatever, she's married, I, I can have another friend. And she uh, sort of expressed interest in, in playing, Right with me and, right. and possibly even I don't want to put words in her mouth but it, sound, it definitely sounded like there would be like some form of sex on the table right and she said yeah but you know uh, I would really love to play with you and she was really eager and really excited and so was I and she said uh, you know before we do I'd really like you to meet my husband um, husband first right and I said oh I couldn't do that that'd be just freaking weird you know <laughs> And she was like, what? Why would that be weird? I said, because I'd be sitting there at the dinner table and I'd, and I'd be sitting there thinking, oh, what a nice guy. Oh, I'm going to be fucking your wife later. You know, that I just couldn't, I couldn't do that, right? Because I know that I wouldn't want to hear that from someone else either. And, uh, and she said, okay, well, we can't, we can't play then. Clearly, we can't play. And, uh, and that was that. We, we, never, we never played. You know, we're still friends and all that stuff. But uh, I remember thinking that, wow, uh, you know, clearly, you know, they had specific rules that they had set up. But oh, yeah. you think, but you think, that, what is it about swinging? Is it just because there's less love involved in swinging, uh, the swinging lifestyle? It's more just physical? You know, um, I, I was part of the swinging lifestyle for quite a while. And yeah, I mean, if you found those people that, that, you know, just wanted to meet someone that you had a physical, uh, you know, some kind of uh, physical chemistry with, and you go, you have sex, you have a good time. And Hey, even if you can be friends afterwards, that's cool. If not, so be it. And then you're done. That was awesome. Um, unfortunately there aren't very many of those swingers left either. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, poly, uh, people who are poly are people who wanted exclusive swinging relationships became very common and it became a very frustrating lifestyle. So I just kind of got out of that too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun just being, you know, I, I made a lot of really, really good friends in the swing lifestyle who, you know, I, 
actually probably spent more time just hanging out with a lot of these people than I did having sex with them. Yeah. Now we'd have sex occasionally, but for the most part, it was just like, you know what? Hey, let's just go hang out and have a beer or, or go have dinner or something. And we'd talk, we'd have fun and, 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 you know, occasionally we'd hook up, but most of the time it was just spent, you found some good friends and you had a lot in common and it was just good times and there were no strings attached to anything. It was, it was, it was great. You you know, you go hang out with the Johnsons for an afternoon, bring a casserole and a, and a dildo. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, and, and a few of them could accept the fact that, that I was kinky. Yeah. Um, actually, most of, the, most of the ones that I had a good connection with could accept the fact that I was kinky. Um, and, and that was great. There were a lot of people that were freaked out about it. And now I guess it's a lot more accepted than it was. But, you know, yeah. Uh, in wondered- the end, I just kind of wound back to the, to the kink lifestyle because it was just more of what fit me. Right. I, I've wondered often why, because, you know, I, like I said, I have a lot of poly friends, and, I, you know, I thought I was poly. In fact, I even called myself poly um, before I met Saad, but it was easy for me to say because I wasn't in love with anyone, right? Uh, and also saying poly sounds, coming, coming out of your mouth, it sounds a lot better than saying, yeah, I'll, I, I like to fuck a lot, you know? And, it, and it, so the, it just sounds a little more evolved. And I've had conversations with poly friends, and they've said, you know, well, you are just being greedy, they said. You know, they said, you're just being greedy because you are putting your... And Saad hasn't you know, said, like, oh, well, we should try poly or anything like that. But they've said that it's, it's my... It's, it's, uh, anyone who doesn't want to be poly is just pushing their insecurities on to the relationship. Hmm. That it's the insecurity of being left alone that they're pushing onto the relationship and then that's not healthy, right? Basically, meaning that just any anybody who, if there's you know two people in a relationship and one of them wants to be poly and the other person doesn't, then it's the person who doesn't's fault. That's sort of like the vibe I got. Yeah, and I've and I've seen that firsthand. You know, I mean, I felt compersion. You know, the the concept of compersion, where your partner is out having. You know, ha- having sex and intimacy and, and loving someone else and you feel good about that and you, f- you take great joy from that. I felt that. And I know what they're talking about with that. And I've also felt the backlash of when you're out having a great time in intimacy and love and sex with someone else and you come home and your partner is just jealous and wants to tear your head off and makes your life miserable. I felt that too. But, you know, I can tell you that Neither that I feel no insecurity, and I know Javarti feels no insecurity. Um, it's just simply, you know, for us, this is simply a choice we've made. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the choice they've made to have a poly and or an open relationship. You know, I don't know that one is better than the other. I see a, a huge, vast Majority of, of marriages failing too, monogamous relationships crashing and burning as well. I don't know that anything works anymore. Yeah, I you know I think you should just be happy with what you got while you got it, and, <laughs> exactly. and try and make it work for as long as it does. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how how often do you think um, spite fucking takes place? I've I've seen a few couples Ooh. where uh, it's you know the the girls off. With uh, with her 
secondary partner in a polyamorous polyamorous relationship, and the guy stuck at home just goes out and you know has sex with a turtle because he's got to have sex with something so he doesn't feel left alone, right? Did you just call poly ass partner? <laughs> no, no. I, by the way, for those I don't want to offend those people who fuck turtles for fun. I just you know. Yeah, yeah. And the turtle fuckery is is a perfectly acceptable kink because right. that's your thing. Right. They're, um, they're, they like to be called Shelleys, let's be honest. Yeah, Shelleys. Oof. And no offense to people named Shelley. No, of course not. <laughs> um, so, but... They like to be called poets. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it, it seems very common. I mean, I, I always, it, it always seems like... Because, I'll, you know, I've seen it before, and I've seen it both on the male side and the female side, mm-hmm. where, you know, they, they're going to go... They'll, they'll go out and have sex with someone who clearly is not their type, you know? Uh, oh yeah. Just just so they can say they're doing something and they're not don't feel alone and miserable while their their partners off having a good time. Um and I and I look, and again I look at that and I'm like that does not seem healthy, you know. Yeah, and one must ask is that truly if they're talking about not feeling about insecurity and jealousy, you know, that will destroy a relationship blah 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 blah. Well, isn't that why you're out there spite fucking? No, I've seen that. Yeah. And I've seen it destroy a lot of relationships as well, because then it's like, wait a minute, why did you fuck that person? Well, wait, it should not be about who I'm fucking. It should be about, you should be taking joy that I'm out enjoying someone else. Well, yeah, but not that person, anyone but that person. Yeah. And then it escalates into, you know, this whole black cloud that thunders and roars and rips apart whatever joy was there in the first place. But yeah, I, you know, I just, that's why I kind of look at it. And over the last 20 years, I've just kind of looked at a lot of this and I've just kind of seen, you know, you can put, you can put what, you can paint the turd whatever color you want. It's still a turd. It doesn't matter. You can call it polyamory. You can call it an open relationship. You can call it monogamy. You can call it a marriage. You can call it an affair. It just doesn't matter if the relationship is dysfunctional it's dysfunctional if it's working it's working it doesn't matter who is involved or how many people are involved you know and i, I look forward to i'm sure I'm just sure, don't put a label on it i'm sure the result of this conversation you and i are having there's i'm going to get plenty of people who are in poly or open relationships or and you know people who have maybe had similar experiences um and, and I, I look forward to talking to people and finding people who have uh, you know, I would love to sit down and talk with a couple who have gone through and worked through all of the problems that you know come up from from this stuff because it's it seems to be becoming more and more prevalent in in, in the scene. It seems like um, I'm hearing more and more people describe themselves that way, which is awesome, which is great. You know, that's that's cool. Um, I'm just really curious to to know how they do it um, uh, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are struggling with the same problems. Oh yeah, and it's. You know, I just just having spoken with a lot of these people, especially the 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 triad that I that has made this work. You know, that's been the real eye opener to me. Is you know, and I actually have in one of the Dungeon Place podcasts. There's actually an interview with um, all three of them at various points, mm-hmm. but it's one of the drunken party casts. Right. And you get two of them who are fairly inebriated, but are making a very, very good uh, uh, that are that are giving a very good description of how the relationship works, how the three of them make it work. And 
over many discussions with him, I it, it finally dawned on me that, you know, they have just clearly defined and settled into their roles. And they each have different roles. You've got one person who is pretty much the head of the household. Yeah. And you've got another person who is not the head of the household, but, but and she's a female. It's two men, two men and a woman. And she is the one who pretty much calls the shots. Right. You know, she's not dominant in the relationship, but she, but you know, the woman runs it. The woman runs the show. You know, whether she's in a princess role or a queen role, mm-hmm. she runs the show. And then you've got another one who is, you know, he, he's sort of, you know, he's the, the dominant component, but he's also the sort of, you know, like one of the, the two anchors. Yeah. Because the head of the household is one anchor and he's the other anchor and he fulfills her DS need. And the head of the household fulfills the traditional relationship need. Yeah. And so the three of them just, they've settled into their roles and they make it work and that's it. And they all live in the same house and they function. Right. But they have the same arguments as everyone else. They all pay the bills. They, they argue about, you know, well, you left this mess here, you left this mess here. And they, and you know, it's just three people instead of two. Right. Well, that's. I think we've. I think we've. We've. We've definitely covered every aspect. Is there anything else about about the poly slash open slash monogamous stuff you you've, you'd get, like to get off your chest? Or no, either the black helicopters will show up, or the granola helicopters will show right, up, right. Or, or, yeah, or you know. I think it's definitely something that, that's important to say, right? I think because there's a lot of people out there. I mean, I know a lot of people who are under the false. Uh, image of poly because they see they see a lot of you know happy couples who are in poly relationships, and very few people seem to talk about the the negative aspects of it. Right? Yeah, it's it's not a sacred cow. It really isn't. Right. And and people treat it like it is. It's just not, and it's not the ma- the answer to happiness either. The only answer to happiness is finding happiness. Right. And it doesn't matter how you do it, just do it. Um, and you're the one who's going to find it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about the uh, the podcast. You guys obviously took a took a took a break to take care. Oh, of we ended. Stuff. We ended it. You ended it. Is, it is done. I haven't heard the last ep- uh, the last episode. I've downloaded it. Did you announce it on the, la- the last episode? No, no, no. And I can. Oh, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to talk about that. Um, and and what is coming next as well? I wa- I've wanted to start a few other projects, and. It just seemed like this is probably a good time to do that. So, you know, I've got another podcast that I do. It's a very short one. It's called Sadist. Yeah. And it's just really just five minutes of just me talking. Right. And that one will be, it, it's continued and it will be ramping up a little more. But there's a new one that I'm um, working on and it's still kind of conceptual but it's called the Sadist Project, and that one will be basically you get a plan and grab a few people, not necessarily from Utah, but from all over the country because it can be done over Skype and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you give them this plan and you say, "Okay, tell me how you'd make this work," and it could be anything from 
create a crime scene to create a, you know, how would you pull off a kidnapping or how would you pull off an interrogation scene or just a simple, you know, if you had to do, if you had to, to break someone without a safe word, how would you do it? Mm -hmm. Things like that. And have each person present their way of doing, of pulling off the plan. And sometimes, you know, I'll, if it's a fairly cohesive plan, I'll videotape it. And we'll show it being pulled off. Mm -hmm. Other times we'll just do photographs of it. Other times we'll just talk about it. And it'll be in various forms of media. As I said, video, um, podcast, or just podcast. And you go to the website and see the photos of what we did and read about it. Uh, Things like that. But that one will probably be just a monthly thing. Because it's going to take quite a bit of work to pull off. But, you know, that will be, that is kind of one of the next ones well, that I'm planning it, on doing. It sounds pretty, it sounds pretty exciting and pretty interesting. You know, um, I, I don't know how, how, I mean, maybe I suppose you know quite a few people, so that's, you'd be able to pull it off pretty well. And I'm sure word will spread and, and, uh, but yeah, that, that sounds really, that sounds really interesting. And that, I just imagine like a, a website with an archive filled with just about everything you could possibly imagine photos and videos and that would be that that would be really really uh, intimidating and intriguing at the same time well yeah and it doesn't all have to be sadists right. i mean i i would love for you to be involved in that one too i mean just i would love bottoms perspectives on it masochists mm-hmm. uh slaves submissives anything i mean it's the whole view of this is to help people get an idea on how to plan a scene or breaking out of a a, a uh, you know, if they feel like their creativity has gone, mm-hmm. have a resource they can go to and just look at something and go, oh, yeah, well, that seems like a good idea, but I'd do it this way. That's, you know, that's just, really cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because so many people break into, go into a routine or, or hit a, a just a, a dry spell. And how the hell do you break out of it? And if you're in one area, you end up seeing some of the same stuff over and over and over again. Whereas... Maybe in New York, there's stuff that I would love to see, but I never see it. Um, yeah, definitely. I know. Uh, you know, it, it probably wasn't all that easy talking about about your relationships and all that stuff. And I, you know, I appreciate your your candor, your honesty, and I'm really glad that uh, that you're not going anywhere and uh, and that you're going to keep the old episodes up. That's that's awesome. Oh yeah, no, I couldn't take them down. I like them too much, and plus, I think people would kill me. <laughs> that, that's true. They're probably right there. Well, cool, man. This has been this has been really great. I really appreciate your honesty. Uh, well, thank you very much. Thank you to Titulus, and thank you for listening. You know, I, I I have talked to people on this podcast before who uh, feel very successful in, in polyamory. You know, uh, so you know, it's more like an equal time thing. I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm very interested in talking to more people who've uh, found uh, found a successful relationship in the structure of polyamory or whatnot. Because I know I know it can happen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Hi, Axe. It's Maya. Um, thank you so much for our great chat uh, a little while. Just wanted to call and let you and your listeners know about the awesomeness that is The Floating World. The Floating World is a three-day education and play event that runs from July 29th through 31st in Edison, New Jersey. Um, it's an event that's focused on uniting lots of different sexuality communities, uh, 
communities that go far beyond just Kink and BDSM. There's too many for me to list here, but you can learn more on our website, www.thefloatingworld.org. Um, the Floating World is perfect for experienced players and for people who are just beginning to explore. Um, it was my very first kink event uh, or very first sexuality event of any kind, and now you see I'm leaving you all these crazy messages about Floating World. So... Uh, it's definitely fantastic. Um, registration is currently open, and we're actually still looking for volunteers, which is a great way to get involved with the event, to meet some new people, um, and also to attend the event cheaply. So that's definitely something to consider. Um, again, you can apply to be a volunteer, you can register, or you can do both um, at www.thefloatingworld.org. Um, I also think you should definitely check out our list of presenters. They are absolutely fantastic. I'm really excited that we're going to have Midori at the event uh, this year, among other totally, totally fantastic people. Um, so please check us out, www.thefloatingworld.org. Thanks again, Axe. Bye.